This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, LSPod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin? Sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Love Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen, proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play. That is that. What a good shot. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Far post for Shearer. Goal for now. Steve White. Steps to Mitchell. It's another goal. Incredible. Hobble. I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! series of the Low Strangers podcast where I talk to Swindon Town fans about their experiences following the club over the years and then we discuss a town-related squad of their choosing. For this episode, my guest is Connor Garrett. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. How are you? I am very well. Thank you very much. Connor, we are both fellow West Wiltshiremen, hardly a hotbed for Swindon Town supporters. How did Swindon Town enter your world? Um, so, I mean, I guess like a lot of people, my dad's a Swindon fan. Um, so as soon as I expressed an interest in football itself, which would have been probably during or after the 2002 World Cup, it was sort of preordained that that's, that was going to be the team that I was going to watch and the uh, the teams that I went to. And then obviously the fact that I lived obviously in West Wiltshire, it's not too difficult to get to Swindon and definitely much easier than to go to like a bigger club. Um, like a Man United or a, an Arsenal who, when I was very young, used to sort of watch some of their games on TV. Interestingly, also also Blackburn. So, yeah, pretty much as soon as there was a, a chance to get my loyalties pinned to the mast of Swindon, that that chance was taken. And, um, yeah, it's kind of been ever since that first game, no question, uh, just 
completely Swindon from then on in. I was educated in West Wiltshire as well, which, I mean, the only other 100% Swindon fan in my year at school was in my tutor. There were a couple of, I follow Swindon, but I support Liverpool guys also in my year. What was your experience, experiences of following Swindon at school and university? Yeah, kind of, it would be, there would be people here and there that support Swindon. Um, obviously, my family, um, so my, my dad and my brother are both Swindon fans. Um, so we've always been able to talk about that at home. Um, and then maybe had, I think, would usually have one or two friends that would support Swindon as I was growing up, depending on, uh, obviously, I think, at, I think at primary school, I was a Swindon fan, but a lot of people then didn't really have their own teams. They just sort of liked football, would watch the games that were on, and then they developed their allegiances a little bit later. Um, and then as I got a bit older, um had a few friends that were Swindon fans. But it was probably, it's actually really only been sort of since Facebook and Twitter that I've sort of known more than a handful of Swindon fans. But it was always interesting sort of, yeah, growing up because where I'm from, obviously you're not far from Bristol as well. So there's a lot of Bristol Rovers, Bristol City fans. Um, and then there were a few of us Swindon fans as well. So um, it was always, there was always sort of lower league chat going on, uh, which was good because there were obviously a lot of Liverpool and Man United um, and Chelsea fans, I think, was my era, really. So, um, yeah, definitely, yeah, it, it could have been a lot worse. So what was the first Swindon game that you remember going to and what are your earliest memories of following Swindon? So first Swindon game that I went to was December 2002. We played Crew and we lost 3-1. Um, I think it was the game before Christmas that year. Um, Dean Ashton scored the first goal that I saw, but Sammy Parkin uh, scored a penalty for Swindon. So he was my first town goal scorer I saw and probably the first memory that I've got of the actual game is walking down the road towards the ground and just seeing a load of sort of other kids in shirts with parking on the back so I sort of before I even went into the game obviously I didn't know any of the players really I think actually potentially the week before that they had the game on the BBC against Oxford and I had seen a couple of players so I think I knew Adam Willis because he might have been at fault for the goal that <laughs> they scored um and I knew Sam Parkin and then that kind of meant that he was the player that I was kind of looking to um obviously in, in sort of my wider footballing viewing at that point sort of the big heroes were like David Beckham and Michael Owen so I was sort of seeing his name as sort of up there with those guys um and then the fact he scored definitely cemented that so he was sort of my earliest favorite player um and then aside from that sort of as has been like an ongoing theme of my life really I guess um I kind of just like gravitated towards the players with good names so I really liked um Bart Greemink um because his name was Bart like Bart Simpson um and uh, I thought Greemink was quite an interesting name as well and obviously I think anyone that sort of had an interest in names at that point liked uh, Danny Invincible as well so those are kind of my very early memories but probably the first season I followed properly would have been the 0304 playoff season um which I sort of obviously it's good with this podcast because you can kind of uh, listen to it from a, a more adult perspective. Um, but I still, uh, years later, have been talking about that from sort of just the the perspective of uh, how that team are kind of up there with like the England golden generation for me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 definitely a good time to to get into following Swindon. I think. 
don't ever mention cool names from that era without mentioning the Migs himself. Shame. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, I was trying to keep it brief, and I definitely went on a little bit there. So, yeah, I could I could run through the team, and yeah, Migliaranzi would definitely be in there as well. But um, yeah, the 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 big names for me were Parkin and uh, Inv- Invincible and Greenmink. I think I have this really irrational envy of people who go to their first game and have somebody like Sam Parkin. Duncan Shearer, Jan Fjortoft as their first goal scorer because mine was a Darren Beckford own goal. And <laughs> I feel like I was cruelly denied, you know, this this moment where I could look at a player for my whole life and go, that's the guy that scored my first Swindon Town goal. And it's a bloody player who never even played for Swindon. And I've always been a bit envious on that fact because... No matter how much, I can't just latch on because that's what children do, don't they? It's just they take their immediate memory, their first experience, and that's it. Even like years into following Swindon, like when I say years, I mean five. Andy Thompson, a centre back from the mid 90s, homegrown, came through our youth system, but he played about 20 odd times before being sold to Portsmouth, which was a downgrade back then. And and I just had this real liking for him because I saw him play well once. People will tell me whenever I say nice things about him on social media that he was useless. Yeah, no, I mean, like I, for a very long time, really liked Charlie Coman Platt because he was good on FIFA 06. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's only kind of like in hindsight that you learn that maybe things weren't what you thought at the time. <laughs> what other unique memories do you have of following Swindon over the years? I don't know. That's a very open-ended question, which uh, I kind of haven't really reflected on. Um, I mean, I, I things that I would think of maybe unique um, are probably not within the Swindon wider fan base because we're all kind of watching the same stuff um, and going through the same things as fans. Probably the most interesting way that I've watched a game as a Swindon fan would be uh, when we were in the playoffs in 2015 um, because I had an exam the day after the second leg of the the 5-all game um, against Sheffield United. I wasn't able to make the home game so I went to the the away game which was a real highlight Um, but then the away the home game I had to watch on TV um, and because the the first leg had gone pretty well um, I decided to sort of get all of my uni mates to come around and watch it with me as well so we got sort of a few beers I think I cooked a curry for for, for like my mates and we sat there uh, and it was going really really well obviously I, I, everyone listening is going to know what happened in the game uh, so you're you're going to all cut to sort of 80 minutes onwards when I'm just sort of sat there, literally everyone looking at me, sort of <laughs> shouting at me, <laughs> making fun of sort of how I just could not cope with it at all. Um, and then just the pure relief uh, when we uh, did get over the line, um, followed by obviously everyone that I knew um, being in the same room telling me that we're going to lose uh, the, the final. Um, that was, That's probably one that comes to mind, but... Um, yeah, I'd probably. It's, it, this is definitely one of those questions where, as soon as we stop recording, I'll remember something else. But uh, yeah, that's probably my one that might be slightly different. So when you look back on and you you hear them mocking you, saying you're going to lose at Wembley, while you're yeah. putting down your train fares and you're getting ready to buy your ticket regardless, and as you walk out of a uh, Preston Force window, now you think, man, I should just listen to my housemates. 
Definitely, yeah. No, they they knew what they're talking about, even though that was the uh, the first time that. No, in fact, actually, we played because we had the Peterborough games in the JPT semi final the season before, and I think that one was a, an, another similar one where it might have been that there was a late equaliser where I went absolutely crazy, <laughs> and so everyone I, I was in halls at that point, so I was in the room my own watching it, and then everyone sort of comes running thinking that I've like dropped something on myself and that I'm injured when they saw what happened they they just said yeah you're going to lose on penalties yeah that so that was an ongoing theme and that yeah they're definitely right um i should have listened listened to them and nipped it in the bud but we're still here <laughs> i'm not a huge fan of soccer saturday for various reasons it's just not for me i can see absolutely why people get addicted to it because it's just an it's theatre. And I will say that I had some great, great times at university with my housemates and my course mates just watching the scores go in and the amount of times, because I was at uni during the relegation 2005-06 season and just thumping the floor every time Swindon conceded, you know, not necessarily the Nottingham Forest away game where we lost 7-1, but just everyone just looking like it's happened again. And I was like, Guys, I'm cool. We're going down. We, this is bleak, but they almost wanted to sort of, t- you know, tread carefully. And I remember we were on TV a couple of times during my uni years. Crawley and Notts County, both absolutely dismal performances that I made my housemates watch while they just look at me, going, "What are you doing?" But all for the love of the game, eh? Okay, so you've been fan since 2002, attending anyway. What have been your favourite games and your happiest moments following Swindon? Favourite games is a is a difficult question because there, there actually are quite a few sort of mm. real highlights um, along the way. I mean, probably the the best moment in a game, which is one I've actually already mentioned, was the away game at Bramall Lane in the playoffs where we won two one. With I think it must have been the last minute of the game, Nathan Burns sort of charging in. It's just a big day because it was a general election. So I had I was in Southampton at uni, voted, got the car back when I should have just gone back sort of home and just voted there instead. But it meant it was a really long day because I had to sort of get the train at like seven or something, uh, something very early. Um, and then we, we drove up as soon as I got back up to Sheffield, sort of mooched around for a little while, went to the game, fell, at, fell behind sort of fairly early on, bullet headed by Ricketts to sort of make it one all. Um, and then then Burns winner, which I remember in I didn't watch it for about two weeks after the game because in my head it was sort of the most perfect perfect goal where he just sort of charged in and blazed it right into the top corner. Everyone that I was talking this goal through at the time was sort of saying that's not actually what happened, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I want to ruin the moment. But eventually I did. I watched it and it just sort of kind of like bubbles in. For me, the fact that it just sort of looked so different in the flesh. Uh, makes it even better rather than sort of taking away from the moment but yeah that was like kind of like screaming at the top of your lungs kind of stuff because as well as celebrating such a huge huge goal it was just like the whole way home just being so excited for obviously what the second leg might bring and then you you think then yeah Wembley's a real possibility so that was that was a real highlight. The thing that I really like about the nomination of the Sheffield United first leg is because of what happened in the second leg it's almost forgotten in time everybody who was there I wasn't because I'm never anywhere when something good happens (laughs) everyone who's there talks about it like Brentford like Charlton sorry and 
and it's 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 one of those moments where people get bruised just celebrating a goal, but it is forgotten about generally because of the five five. But one thing that I absolutely loved about that Sheffield United first leg was that we were the villains for so long because of that penalty which Gladwin missed, and then every time I watch Nathan Burns winner, which I see quite often, and of course I think he's the the player that won the dubious penalty that Gladwin missed is every time he takes that shot, I think the goalie's going to save it. Every time, and I still expect him to. And it's just one of those moments where it's right at the end, pink shirts, not, oh, just pandemonium, lovely stuff. Yeah, it was a great moment. I mean, actually a similar kind of one that I remember from a home game was in the playoff season in 2010, we played Norwich yeah, and equalised in the final minute with Greer. That was a, a very good moment. Yeah. Um and then I don't think that it was a last-minute one, but actually the, the Bristol City 3-2 win in 2013, where we won fairly late on with the Ranger goal, where he kind of turns and sort of hooks it in. Yeah. Um, that was that was a good moment as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- those are probably the ones that c- I kind of always go back to. But to be honest, like pretty much any time that Swindon win and score. The other one, the when Louis Thompson scored his first goal for Swindon, that was a good one where Nathan Thompson has been substituted off. It's pretty much 90th minute. Louis Thompson scores. Was it Sheffield United that we played that day? It was. Was it a winner as well? Yeah, I think it was one nil or something like that. It was. It had been quite a bad game, and then he won. He won it, and then Thompson, Nathan Thompson, runs from the dugout to the town and celebrate with Louis. That was a good moment as well. So that, that those are the big ones. I'm I, I, probably if you keep me here, I'll just keep listing things from the last sort of <laughs> eighteen years. But yeah. So my next point, which I ask everybody, is I I like talking about villains, and villains isn't necessarily somebody you you hate with a passion. It's just somebody you love to hate. It could be a Swindon player of old. It could be somebody like James Hater, who always seemed to bloody score against us, or <laughs> Nicky Forster, who used to score against us all the time, in my mind anyway. Who are the people that stand out in time where, when you see their names on a team sheet, you go, oh, for crying out loud. There are a few players that, on when on the day that we play them, I just really, I'm dreading the, what they're going to do. So um, I guess... The two good examples of that would be kind of ex-players that have gone on to sort of good things, like Aidan Flint or Leon Clark, um, where you kind of know that whatever happens, they're going to be a protagonist in the game because even they, they could either drop a shocker, they could have a really good game, or they're just going to wind everyone up. Um, but then the more that I thought about it, and I thought, I don't know if they necessarily count as villains because I I don't really think about them that much outside of that one day. Yeah. Um, and then I was playing FIFA earlier um, and I had to have a career mode with Swindon, obviously. Um, I started playing Stevenage and for some reason, I don't. I thought he'd retired, but Alex Ravel's still on the game and he's got a hat-trick against me. Yeah, and I was like, oh, even on FIFA, he has that hold on me. So he, <laughs> he he's the villain because, yeah, like, like a James hater, he, he just always scores against Swindon, um, which obviously, I guess, has probably been spoken about before on the podcast. Um, but... Yeah, even digitally, he has a a chokehold over Swindon Town. I can't look at the opposing team sheet before a game because if I look at a name and go, oh, that's a cool name, they always used to score against us. So if I ever dwell on a player, I think, oh, I wouldn't mind seeing him or I'd be looking forward to seeing that guy. 
they always ended up scoring. So I stopped looking at the team sheet of the opposing player. I think I think although it was it was blown completely out of proportion, I think Aidan Flint's a villain, isn't he? Because of what happened after the three nil, even though it wasn't his fault, um, he was asked a question. And he replied, and it became a, a chant, and Bristol City prospered during that time. So, it, But it was very nice when he left Bristol City, So, and others have said this, I think Joe said it in the last episode, of where you could like him again almost, couldn't you? It was a, it was, it was a very awkward divorce, that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing with him was that, I mean, after the 3-0, that was like quite a natural reaction. And like if it was a Swindon player going from Bristol City... Which obviously we, ha- we ha- have had in the past, um, and they would say a similar thing. I'd absolutely love that. So I would never really be that bothered by a player kind of playing towards his his, his new fan base. But um, the one thing that kind of was a little bit annoying about that one was sort of how good he'd been in the tail end of the season before he left, um, and then the fact that he'd sort of had left set, expressly said that he'd left to sort of go to a bigger club, and then obviously that's it. The nap the season after we finished above them, which. Uh, for me, was sort of ha in your face, man. But then, obviously, the the season after that, uh, <laughs> we don't we don't want to talk about it. But yeah, how, how do you feel when you see players that you loved who committed no crime to to Swindon when you see them play in an opposition shirt? Because there are there have been a few times where people have come back, or you've gone to a game as a neutral, or I've gone to a game as a neutral, and I've seen an ex Swindon player, and I've gone, oh, times they used to be so good. I honestly, to be honest, whenever I go to a game, I'm looking out for a former Swindon player. So pretty much there there are so many that have been at the club that pretty much like any game that I watch within the English Football League, sometimes even the Premier League, you can find someone with a Swindon connection. And then that's just all I'm watching. So I quite often just on a Tuesday night, I'll go to an Eastleigh game at home. And uh, there's a few players in obviously in the National League that um, have Swindon connections. So I'm always sort of looking out for them. And I mean, even on TV, there's a, I have an ongoing joke with sort of uh, my girlfriend and her family that everyone who's ever played for Swindon is a Swindon legend. And then pretty much any time they'll do anything, like they could put the ball out for a throw in when they were trying to shoot or something. And I'll just say, I don't know, Swindon legend. Um, so I, they're pretty much like the, any game I watch, I'd be watching Birmingham v Fulham or something. Um, and my focus will be on any link towards Swindon. And, and I probably won't have any interest if there isn't one. So I really enjoy it when I can see someone that used to be at the club doing well um, and especially when it's like a player that you really like that returns to the club so I remember when DeVita came back to Swindon with Bradford being firstly like, glad to see him play again because I really liked him when he was at Swindon and then secondly also really glad that he got like a standing ovation when he came off as well um, so when it's someone sort yeah someone that's left on good terms and then they come back and People respect that. I do enjoy that. I don't like it when it's like booing a player because they've gone somewhere else. It's only sort of under very certain circumstances where, I don't know, like John Abika, who I really, really liked when he was at the club, and then he goes to Oxford and you're kind of just like, really, man? Like, I understand <laughs> it, but at the same time, like, I, I really liked you and now I have to kind of not at all. So, yeah, you have to kind of adjust how you think about that player. But, yeah, uh, definitely anyone with a Swindon connection they could have like I don't know gone through Swindon on a bus once and that would be the focal point for any game I watch (laughs) who are the big rivals for you uh so I mean obviously Oxford's the big one and I mean I guess because the thing is we we didn't play a competitive game 
against them for pretty much most of my childhood. I think the first one that would have had would have been under the Canio. Mm. If you ignore the FA Cup game that I watched on TV and sort of just didn't really understand. Um, so as much as I know it's a really big rivalry and then when we actually played them, it matters a lot. I kind of don't know any Oxford fans. I think I've met one in my actual life. Um, and I just, I can't get really annoyed about them when we're not playing them or if I'm not speaking to someone that's an Oxford fan. Um, so the big one for me has always been Bristol City just because I know Bristol City fans and the ones that I knew from school could get very annoying about Bristol City. So um, definitely they were sort of always the big one. Yeah, from early on. I think my first derby that I ever went to was the one all against uh, City in 2004 where Fallon scored the overhead kick. Um, so that was sort of always a big fixture for me. I kind of have always kind of liked Rovers, to be honest. I think it's because like a lot of my good friends from school were Rovers fans. I kind of just... Like, again, I want to beat them when we play them because you can kind of have a laugh, but actually, usually I quite like their fans and never have a conversation about football with them. So I've never really been really bitter about anything that they've done. Hmm. Um, don't think we've actually played Reading in a competitive yeah, game since I've been a fan. Time, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's hard to care about that. Gillingham, again, like, I don't know anyone sort of personally that's a Gillingham fan, so there's not really any enmity there. But the one that I've... The really irrational one that I just for a, a long time had was that I hated Port Vale growing up. And I think it's because Robbie Williams was a Port Vale fan or I, like somewhere I read that he was. Mm-hmm. And I just was, I didn't like Robbie Williams. And I just decided I hate Port Vale, um, which because we seem to beat them quite a lot is, is good because you don't feel that bad when you lose to them because it doesn't happen very often. And then, yeah, I mean, the one now in the last few years that, unfortunately hasn't been played in that time but hopefully one day will be and will be played successfully as Bournemouth because my girlfriend's a Bournemouth fan so any chance that I can get to stick the boot in about Swindon versus Bournemouth <laughs> is is helpful because currently they've got the bragging rights but I do bring up the 4-0 from 2012 pretty much on a weekly basis she'll throw back about Richie going to them regularly but then I'll, obviously I'll show the picture of him signing for them and he, he has got tears in his eyes so yeah that if we were able to play them next season, um, obviously it wouldn't be a league, it'd be a cup, but if we were able to play them next season and beat them, it would be one of the experiences of my life. I don't hate them, but it would just be, it'd be a, it'd be a fun day. The foundations of a loving relationship everywhere. <laughs> Richard, he's hit it and it's deflected and Swindon Town have the lead. Okay, let's talk about your My Eleven squad. You followed Joe Acklam's example in selecting a squad that differs from your all-time eleven. You've gone for a loans eleven, but to make it that little bit more difficult, we have set the rule of not including any players who went on to sign permanently for Swindon, which would have made quite a squad. Yeah, it wouldn't have, have really been any fun, like selecting a lonely squad and having like Fodderingham, Greer, Ferry, Timlin, Richie, Byrne, Luongo, Doughty, Cox, Doyle, Grant, Eiffel. But all of the players that we've had that have gone on to sign permanently, the, the reason that they've gone on to sign permanently is usually because they've had a really good loan. Um, so it kind of discounts them from... I mean, it, what, on one, from one side, it discounts them because they are a permanent player, really. Um, but then it kind of it's obviously been it's gone so well that they've been able to sign so it kind of technically while they were on loan it was with, with a view to signing them uh, and 
I kind of want those, those very brief flames. Players that maybe have played a handful of games uh, who maybe won't even think about Swindon at all. Or if they do, it's just not, not a big part of their career. Um, or alternatively, just players where they've made their name and they've been able to go on to, to really big things. Or players that just came here briefly, knew that they were here briefly, but made an impression. So that's why I've gone for that. Partly also because it's more of a challenge. Like I said, those players are pretty much going to make the team themselves. Um, you could get a pretty good 11 out of the ones that I named. So let's see what we can do with uh, more restrictions. <laughs> yeah, that's C indeed. Now, like all good list compilations, there are people that have to miss out. So this is your opportunity to provide some honourable mentions. Who are they? I've gone for Fankati Darbo because he's the only Swindon player I've seen that scored against Oxford um, in 18 years of supporting the club. Just um, immortality was just half hour away. Yeah, he was waiting for him. Um, and he celebrated it with real aplomb as well. So we have to appreciate that. Yeah, he was a good player as well. I, th- yeah. I think because he was there in the relegation season, he maybe won't go down sort of in the way that he maybe could have done. If he'd have been there in the 14-15 season, for example, he would have probably immediately gone down in sort of favoured personnel. Um, among Swindon fans because technically uh, and uh, ability-wise, I don't think he was any different to sort of many of the other fullbacks that we've had on loan um, from sort of big clubs. But it just wasn't to be for him probably because sort of the other 10 players in the team just didn't do enough to keep us up. I, I think he, he he was pretty good when he was on loan with us. So um, I would definitely have... I remember at the time thinking I'd be glad to see him back at the club mm. um, if we were to ever go back up to League One, you know, maybe one day. You're quite right. He got lost in what was an awful season. And because Charlie Colkit was the flair player that we kind of poached from Bristol Rovers and Islam Farouz came in and was a name because of the hype that surrounded him during his Celtic and Scotland days. Dabo just kind of was there. And in reality, he was a very, very steady player. So absolutely. Who else have you got on the list? Uh, Carl Bennett as well, because he was kind of like one of the shining lights of the end of last season, where um, basically towards the end of last season, I for a while I'd been working Saturdays and then I got a new job where I had Saturdays off. So finally I could go and watch Swindon regularly again. And uh, yeah, he was kind of like one of the players that made it worth it because yeah, it, it was it was getting on for, a, I'd been to like three or four home games in a row and hadn't seen a goal uh, or a Swindon goal at least. And then he kind of would make things happen to an extent. I mean, I still, I don't think we really scored when I was watching him play, but um, he definitely was the player that looked likely to do things and made me kind of think going into the end of the season that maybe maybe the following season, 1920, would not be so bad. And uh, it's been proven right. Obviously, he's played no part in it. But um, I think, yeah, he was he was kind of a shining light about what might have come, even if actually he's had nothing to do with what's come. But uh, yeah, he, he definitely again, kind of was one of those players that knew what Wellens wanted to do. And uh, by following that kind of signing this season, we've got to where we are now. So yeah, he's kind of like the forerunner for that, I guess. The next honourable mention is one from the Decanio era. Yeah, I went for Leon Rydhall, who actually was originally on my bench before I remembered another one of the, uh, like another player that actually definitely had to start in my, in my team. So he kind of got nudged off. Um, but he... I think 
again, was just a really solid left back who, in this case, was probably more lost by the fact that everyone around him was absolutely fantastic. Um, so he didn't really stand out, but he had a number of good games, I think, at left back in that season. So, um, yeah, definitely uh, uh, one worth remembering, at least. One thing that always grates me from that season, because of the amount of loans and the revolving door, is when you look at the team of the year, the PFA team of the year, it's barely got any Swindon players in it, because we had so many... I mean, the Torquay goalkeeper gets in ahead of Fodringham, which is <laughs> which is remarkable. Well, that's just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that, that shouldn't, there, shouldn't have been allowed. I think there are four Torquay players in there and two Swindon. One is definitely Cadiz, and I can't think who the other one is. Must be Richie. It's Richie, yeah, of course it is. Those are the only two in a dominant League 2 championship season. And it, it does make me think as well. I guess since I've chosen a loan squad, we can kind of talk a little bit about the loan system because one of the reasons I chose doing loans is because it's kind of... It, it's funny how people sort of go on about how Swindon are really, really uh, reliant on loans. So I wanted to prove how that's a good thing, first of all. Um, but secondly... Um, the loan system's obviously changed since the Canio era. So back then you'd get a player in for kind of like a month usually. And then if they were good, they would stay on. So I think that's kind of why Rodhorst, for example, didn't stay uh, for the whole season. Um, whereas obviously now you can only sign players in the windows and you, you've got your five and then hopefully that's that for the season. At least it is that for half the season. So um, I think there's positives and negatives. I do kind of miss like you just bring in a random guy and at the end of November. To, to fill in a hole but then actually this season January where we could lose players from the from the loans was pretty unpleasant um, so I'm kind of glad that it was confined to just January and now either side of that we've not really had to worry about it too much so yeah that was, is a weird system. Two other bits that we need to cover before we move on to the subs bench. We haven't even got to the subs bench yet, everybody. I'm so sorry for this. You know, this is what talking Swindon does to me. I can talk <laughs> about Swindon for quite literally a couple of hours. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's one more name that you want to give an honourable mention to who's already been mentioned. Go on. Yeah, Islam Farouz, by far one of the best players I've seen play for the club. <laughs> His cameo at Charlton on the, fi- on the final day. Scored. Was it, yeah, he did. And I went absolutely crazy for a, a good minute before I realised that it had been ruled out. Um, but yeah, uh, that was a weird one, wasn't it? Um, oh, I kind of wanted to put him in the team for just for banter, but then I was like, actually, that's pretty harsh on some of the players I could pick. So It, it would have been red hot. I've said it before on this podcast that I was genuinely quite intrigued because I'd followed his career from the Celtic days to his sort of I've watched a couple of the uh, the the Shield, the Victory Shield, when he was playing for the uh, Scotland youth sides, and of course when he moved to Chelsea, it caused a big stir. But before he even joined Swindon, it was quite clear that whatever promise he had was gone or done. He hadn't developed in the way that Chelsea had wanted. His head wasn't in it. I don't know. Maybe we can get him on the podcast one day, and I absolutely love to hear his story but then I watched him away at Bristol Rovers I've never seen a player who had so much of that aforementioned hype to be so slow and just lost in league one football it was unbelievable he was good against Charlton so that's what I'm going to talk about but (laughs) yeah no um yeah it was I mean that Charlton team that we put out against that day uh, on that day obviously we, we had the the uh, quiz questions from the 
um, end of decade special for Ushawn trivia. And uh, yeah, if you go back and listen to that, a lot of them are not household names in the Swindon postcodes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's all I'll say about that. But uh, yeah, he was an interesting one. I'm almost certain Luke Williams announced at the end of the season that there was a chance that he might sign permanently um, in a bid to try and get fired. Barouche's <laughs> <laughs> corner and Richie coming in. strikes again for Swindon Town and you have to say they deserve to be level without a doubt I said earlier that man could have a part in getting them back into the game he's been the best player been the most inventive creative player possibly on the pitch but again a set piece that wasn't defended particularly well you have to say I think he's injured himself on the way down there the manager got right at the bottom of that rut Okay, well, I'm looking at your squad because prep is a wonderful thing. And there is a surprising omission in this. Um, it's not surprising if you follow my, uh, my takes on Twitter. <laughs> so there is this surprising exclusion of a player who was voted in the Low Strangers team of the decade... Connor, where's Alex Pritchard? Alex Pritchard is probably sitting at his home in Huddersfield, not worrying about my opinions, but he's not in the team. Um, and it's for the following two reasons. Ben, Wills, while you're listening to this, this, these are the reasons. You can still be right in that he can be in the team of the decade. I'm, I'm not disputing that. But for me, I I think I just, in that season, I just never saw his like best games. Like uh, I think... The games that he seemed to do well in, I just wasn't there. Um, the games that I was there, the, the other midfield players, like I thought, were better. So that was the first season where he had sort of Luongo, Kasim, Thompson, Mason. And I just thought they were all better than him. And this was then solidified into a big bit of crystallised amber um, when instead of receiving a yellow card, he got a red card at Bristol City for sort of the most pathetic headbutt. I've ever seen. I remember just thinking at the time, either don't do it or just commit to it because he could have, he could of course, he, he could have just stayed on the pitch, not done that. And we played pretty well that day. I think it's the, it's the nil-nil in 2014. Uh, 2015, yeah, 2014. I thought we could win. And obviously at that point, I was like, he's a good player to have on the pitch if you want to win. And then he got sent off, but it was just, it was pathetic. He, he, he really didn't lean into it at all. He didn't do any damage whatsoever. Um, it was a bit of a dive by the Bristol City player, but it was a headbutt. He deserved to go. But if you're going, a red's a red. Like if you're going to, if you're going to get sent off for a headbutt, at least make it a good one. Uh, so and he's never making it anywhere near a, t- a town eleven ever. Definitely not a worst eleven either. I mean, I wouldn't be that harsh, but he's just not going in any. Even if it was an, uh, an eleven of players with the initials AP, he's not getting in it. Wow. I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> It's only been six years and that wound's still open and festering, I must say. Uh, But a spirited argument. You sound like those people that have that irrational hatred for managers where they're from the start, he's going to be useless and two promotions happen and they stick to their guns. And when things do go wrong, what did I tell you? Useless. And I'm like, well, you know, it's like, well, you stuck to your guns, didn't you? 
Well, there we go. No Alex Pritchard. Spoiler alert in this squad. Let's go to the bench now. So our first substitute in this squad played for Swindon on loan from Wolves in 2015. Playing 12 times, scoring a very, very crucial goal is Sam Ricketts. And he's in there for that goal because he wasn't amazing on loan for us. I think he, he, he took a little while to get up to speed, then played pretty well um, towards the end. Um, but he's in there for the goal at Bramwell Lane um, because it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen with my own two, not, two eyes. Um, just looped over and he just sort of flicks it like a bullet. I don't know how I don't know how you can have a flicked header that's also a bullet header because those are two very distinct things. But in the Venn diagram of those two distinct things, you've got Sam Ricketts in a purple Swindon shirt running towards that two-tiered away end of Bramwell Lane. And, uh, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Number 13, your goalkeeper in reserve. On loan from Manchester United in 2005. Cannot believe it's 15 years ago. It's Tom Heaton. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's gone on to pretty big things. England caps, one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League, I'd say, like a, a, for a mid-table goalkeeper. Um, and uh, one of the reasons would have been for him being in the team is that, like he's a quality goalkeeper. So uh, when we need to rotate, he'll be there. And secondly, um, he's also in there because he played pretty well in a win over Bristol City in his loan spell as well. Uh, so that's that's uh, the reason, really. Yeah, cruelly denied a penalty save against Scott Murray as well. Very harsh. Yeah, let's not open up old wounds. I've already opened up like two on this podcast already. But uh, yeah, he <laughs> he was... I remember thinking at the time that he seemed pretty good. I mean, obviously I was like 10, so I couldn't really base it on anything. And uh, the, the, good, the good goalkeepers I was watching were like Paul Robinson. Um and Ian Walker and David James and whatever. So um, I don't know how I was basing off of, but yeah, he seemed good at the time and he's, he's gone on to prove me right. So uh, yeah, well done, Tom Heaton. You're my number 13. Your number 14 joined on loan from QPR in 2016. He left early in 2017, I believe. It's Darnell Furlong. Yeah, again, like Darbo, lost in a bad season. He was fantastic. I thought he, he, he played really, really well for Swindon when he was available, slotted in at centre-back for a couple of games, um, played really well at right-back, which is obviously his main position, and again has got on to pretty good things. I think he's not playing every game for West Brom at the moment, but obviously he's, he's part of the team and uh, they're top of the championship. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's sort of going well for him because at the time I thought he was a good player. And I guess it's kind of an ongoing theme of that 16-17 squad because, I mean, there were some dreadful players in there, but then a lot of the team were really, really good and I rated a lot of them. Um, and it was just kind of weird to see what happened. But um, yeah, he was kind of one of my standouts of that season. Um, and he, he very nearly made the team out of position at centre-back. So uh, yeah, he, I think he deserves a place on the bench. Number 15, joined on loan like the rest of the squad from Tottenham Hotspur in 2013. Stayed until the end of the season, but he was injured for the majority. It felt like it anyway. 22 appearances he made, scored five goals, three of those in one game. It's Ryan Mason. Yeah, a very, very good player for, for League One. Well, he's good in the Premier League, let's not, let's not kid ourselves. But it was, it was a weird one where, actually, again, in that season, I did think our best midfield was without him. I thought, like, my favourite midfield from that season was Luongo, Kasim and uh, Louis Thompson. Um, but 
Ryan Mason was very good, popped up with several good moments. Obviously, um, I think the crew game and the Wolves game, he was very good in both of those sort of towards the start of the season. Um, so he definitely deserves the place in the team. Probably, he probably he could he could definitely be. He, he's very close to the first eleven because you, it's not often that like a, a season before they break out for a big top six team and then go on to play for England very very soon after. It's uh yeah it, it probably is a little bit of a weird one that I've not chosen him for for the actual first eleven. But um yeah he was he was a good player. Connor. At the time, I've got to be honest, I couldn't see what the big deal was about having players from the same youth system join on loan. And so many fans fretted about becoming a Spurs B. It was obvious we were never going to be absorbed or anything like that. Just the very thought of having, if you're going to have five loans in a season... Make them all from the same squad because at least they know each other. That was always my uh, that was my argument. But people were so worried that I, our identity would be taken away from us. But what's the difference between having five players from Tottenham in, or one player from Fulham, one player from Swansea, one player from Norwich? It just didn't. I just I couldn't get my head around it at the time. I guess it's just because at that point as well there was a lot of conversation about B teams in English football which I think has died down a little bit in the last few years. I guess we a lot of the te- a lot of sort of teams in England are quite proud of their own identity and don't want to be kind of subsumed into Spurs a lot. I I don't really like Spurs at all, so I don't I w- I wouldn't necessarily want Swindon to become kind of an extension of them. I think it's good that obviously you have your own uh, distinct history, but I also think it's good to have a network of clubs that you work together with mm. where maybe it's not a formal arrangement, which it wasn't in this case, it was that Obviously, Power was mates with Sherwood, um, and as a result of that, we were able to get some good players in. I think that's the perfect way of doing it because obviously, when like when Danny Wilson was um, manager, um, we managed to get sort of players through his connections, um, and now we're again working pretty well with the players that we got because of the connections that Paul Jewell and uh, Lee Power and Richie Wellens all have. So um, I prefer that arrangement but that is also exactly what the Spurs arrangement was um it's just that they're all from the same system but actually I think the fact that the the players knew each other probably was a good thing if you can do it right where they then blend well into the squad Mm. because I guess you don't want to have like another split dressing room where it's like the Spurs youth players and everyone else um but if you can have people that are mates going into the club at the same time and then they become friends with people that are already there um, then you, you get a really good mix. And that's what happened, I think, in 13-14. Um, again, I think it's what's happened this year because I think a few of the loanees that we've had kind of know each other. That can only be a good thing. And it, you can do that by getting players, like five players in from Spurs. Mm-hmm. And there's different there's different ways of doing it. But yeah, I've, I've never been that bothered about the loan system. Well, I think it's a good thing because I would rather see players of the calibre of like Ryan Mason playing than like, I don't know, James Dunn. That's why he's on the bench. Number 16 had two loan spells for Swindon. The first way back in 2004 and five from Derby County. Then he came back for a cameo in 2012 from Southampton. A combined 27 appearances and two goals. It's Lee Holmes. Yeah, I think if you enjoy being on loan at Swindon so much that you go back twice um, without signing, then you deserve to be in the squad. Um, <laughs> Obviously, I guess the the real like archetype player that loved being on loan at Swindon so much was Gerald Eiffel. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, he signed, so I couldn't put him in. So I had to put Lee Holmes in instead. But uh, here we are. Yeah, Lee Holmes is a funny one because he was a really exciting young prospect. He should have gone the way of England full caps when he first arrived uh, in 2004. And he looked every bit that exciting when, when he was fit. And when he came back in 2012, as I mentioned in a recent podcast, I'm, I'm convinced it was a flex by De Canio to try and get one over on... Oxford United, where he was on loan at the time. It's like, well, you can stay at Oxford, Lee, or you can come and get a League Two Champions medal with me. And, of course, that's what he went and did. This this sums up, I think, Lee Holmes more than anything. De Canio era couldn't afford him. That just seems Crazy. remarkable to me, that De Canio would come out and say, we can't afford his wages. What on earth was he asking for? And what do Exeter pay him now? Two questions I don't know the answer to. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did in more re- in more recently Holmes news. I really liked the clip of him going off on one at the officials during the two-one uh, win over Exeter recently. He was giving him a right earful. I don't think I've seen that actually. It's but, it, it's included in the uh, behind the scenes, the uncut. Uh, series that Swindon Town do when they're going off at half time you can see a really chippy uh, member of the uh, Exeter subs bench having a go at the officials in the tunnel and it's one Lee Holmes well I'm glad that he's uh, got that passion burning inside still Absolutely. Um, and actually I have seen that so uh, I just didn't put two and two together but um yeah, good clip. Number 17 is a current player who joined from Norwich City in 2019 and he'll stay for the remainder of the season. So far at the time recording, he's scored four goals in 20 appearances. It's DeLang, Jayasimi, DJ. Yeah, I think he's been a really good player this season. I think he, he's had an interesting trajectory while at Swindon where he kind of signed as... Well, obviously, we don't know what inside the club the intention was, but the way that I read it when he signed was that he's coming in to sort of, yeah, fill in the gaps when when players aren't fit. Um, And then he just got injured straight away. (laughs) And then he kind of dropped off your radar, um, came back for, it must have been the end of the Stevenage game. Um, And since then, we've dropped two points at home, not very many away. Um, and whenever he's played, he's been really good. So it took him a little while to get up to fitness, but by the Christmas period, was really, really good. Um, and I think now is one of our, our key players. And whenever I go um, and see Swindon at the moment, he's usually one of the players that impresses me the most. Um, so, because I needed a winger, I thought, Joe Simi, come on in. You're allowed in now. Yeah, it was, it was interesting because during his... During his injury, he was seen as one of the most expendable loan player when it came to what are we going to do in January. Like a lot of people wouldn't have sort of argued had he been sent back to Norwich. It was him and obviously poor old Adam May, but he came back. They they, they took their time with him, didn't they? And he's become a key member. And you know there are good players coming back now who are going to struggle to get a place in that eleven. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest, he's the, he's of the players that we've currently got on loan, um, one of the players that I'd like to see being made ineligible from this squad um, or just coming back on loan for us next season. Um, yeah, he he is very, very talented, has 
waited very patiently for a place in the team, has been given a chance, has taken that chance, and is now, I think, if not sort of one of the first names on the team sheet, definitely in the team on merit and will probably continue to be there or thereabouts for the rest of the season. And uh, yeah, you can't really say much better than that. And like I said, his comeback, literally perfectly timed with Swindon going from kind of playoff chasing to being top of the league. So yeah, well done. Maybe he was the missing ingredient all along. A Wiltshire Premier Shield game away at Westbury United on a cold night is a sobering experience for any person. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> Your final substitute was a lone player from our old pals, Reddin, in 2009. Time goes by very, very quick. He scored four times in 20 appearances. It's Hal Robson, Hal Robson Carney. Yeah, he again has gone on to have a really good career, uh, which is one reason because I'm kind of going for like a bench that. I've got options on so that if we're losing, then I can bring on players and who can affect the game. And uh, he scored at an international tournament. Um, he's played in the Premier League. Um, you can't really ask for a lot more than that from uh, a player that came with obviously potential, but you don't know how good they're going to be. Um, and I think he was maybe not the um, not the most prolific when he was at Swindon, but I think he he helped get us over the line for staying up that season. Um, which was quite useful and I kind of wanted one of those players so obviously Greer was one of them that kept us over the line and he made himself ineligible by signing and becoming captain of a playoff comp- competitive team um, but it was kind of between Hal Robson Carno or Owen Tudor-Jones mm. um, for the last place on the bench and uh, I thought Hal Robson Carno's gone on to have a good career um, so uh, yeah he's in the squad and uh, yeah, I think I think he was pretty good he seemed to score sort of big goals um, I obviously I can't remember any of them off the top of my head any of them yeah um, but yeah definitely uh, I think he was he was a good part of that that team getting over the line which was exactly what they needed to do yeah shrewd business by Danny Wilson at a time where he needed to make sure pretty much all his signings were spot on and him and Tudor Jones certainly did the business didn't they Absolutely. So Swindon's hopes of maybe getting another might be quite high. This is Miglia Ranzi. In towards Fallon here. It's Fallon. It's 2-1. Swindon on fire. That's a great finish. Great finish from Fallon. Pulling it onto his right foot and getting it away. But it's made by that man, Miglia Ranzi. You're listening to the Low Strangers podcast. Proudly sponsored by the STFC Official Supporters Club. Okay, let's talk about your 11 now. We'll start with the goalkeeper. To be honest, a lot of our lone goalkeepers have gone on to sign for Swindon permanently. So your Greeminks, your Fodringhams, your Vigaroos, and the others have been cameo goalkeepers, but not this one. It's our current goalkeeper from Swansea City. It's Stevie Bender. Yeah, he was... I think because I was speaking to you about this a few days ago and I was like, it's either Heaton or Bender because there's not really anyone else. It's like by default, it has to be one of the two. Um, and I just love this guy so much that he had to be number one. Um, he has been a revelation. Again, kind of like Jai Simi, without the injury, he kind of came in. We weren't sure if he was going to be first choice. He waited his time a little bit, came in pretty much exactly time with our upturn form um, in October uh, and has played very well ever since. And... Even 
I mean, obviously, every goalkeeper is going to make a mistake here or there. I concede a goal they maybe shouldn't. But I think most games he proves why he's in the team on merit um, with, uh, yeah, good saves that you don't necessarily always expect a goalkeeper to make um, with usually good distribution. It's not always spotless, but it's... Uh, it's very good for, for the level. Um, and he is the player that allows us to play out from the back in the way that we want to under Wellens. So um, I think he's fantastic. Um, I would love him to be there next season, but I know for a fact he is destined for big things. So he probably won't be. But uh, yeah, if you're listening, Stephen, um, please come and join us next season. There you go, Stevie. There's there's the plea. I believed every bit of it. I, I, I just... I just... The way that Wellens managed him, like you said, that they didn't put him straight into the side straight away. Because McCormick, you know, McCormick isn't a goalkeeper that goes to the Wellens philosophy, but he wasn't doing terribly either. But he waited impatiently, and then he... he he gave Bender his debut in a write-off fixture against Plymouth in the in the in the Football League trophy, where he didn't have a good game, and many people were like, "Oh, I thought this person was going to be good, etc., etc." <laughs> and then and then he played against Plymouth in, in the following week, and we were very very unlucky to not get the three points. And then from there on in, some of the saves he's made have been absolutely incredible, and people still sort of po- point him out for you know minor minor things but the guy is he's a tremendous goalkeeper and I mean I've heard sort of rumours of Germany under 21 as long as it doesn't mean that we miss him but wouldn't it be I mean me and you we're both big fans of German football we both follow pretty mediocre uh, German (laughs) football teams mine more mediocre than yours I wouldn't have it any other way Um, but he's the first German to play for Swindon and he's it's been a, it's been worth the wait. Yeah, he's he's proven what, with a bit of knowledge of the German language, you can do for Swindon Town. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, we spoke about him when he first signed on his like unveiling podcast, I guess, mm. about the end of the transfer window. Um, and although I was very wrong about our need or lack thereof for Anthony Grant, and uh, I've been I've been on record several times, pretty every time <laughs> I've been on the podcast since that I was wrong. I was, uh, yeah, definitely. At the time, glad to see a German player join Swindon, and I'm glad to see that it's paid off. Uh, so at least I can be right about some things some of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, I think if not, it, he wants to become a German international. That's his aim that he's stated uh, several times. Um, I, d- I don't know how the German uh, international setup's going to see that, but I do know that good big name goalkeepers have come through loans to the lower league. So you think, I mean, the, the world-class player, the world-class goalkeeper that's come from the lower leagues on, on a loan to uh, big, big things indeed. It's Wojciech Szczesny, I think was a, a Brentford in league one. I think, yeah, Begovic as well has played at a world cup and started out at like Yeovil on loan. Um, so um, they, they, there are players that have had that trajectory. Um, the only thing is just that obviously, Germany have got a lot of goalkeepers but um yeah I, he he could be the one who knows but um yeah I, I I don't know if he'll he'll go that far but I think give it a few years and he could be quite a comfortable sort of top level goalkeeper <laughs> the next players are right back for this squad he's a friend of the podcast he joined on loan from Liverpool in 2010 he made 15 appearances didn't score 
any goals except for one glorious penalty kick. It's Stephen Derby. Yeah, and again, you've mentioned the exact reason he's in that that team, which is is the penalty kick. One of the most iconic moments of sort of my time following Swindon, really, because you think obviously eighteen years is a long time. You see a lot of games, and you see a lot of goals that you're, you're very fond about, but there's only been three goals that have, or three kicks of a ball that has taken us to Wembley, um, and uh, that's one of them. Um, so that was a really big one. That's the first time I went to Wembley as a Swindon fan. Uh, and it's thanks to his steel nerves um, as he went up to take the penalty. So thanks very much for that, Stephen. Obviously, we've already got a theme where having the name Stephen's getting you in the team. Uh, <laughs> so that helped him as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was just sort of obviously a very young player at the time, just but just very solid, did the job, got us to Wembley. And uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of one that obviously because he's done that, you then kind of follow the rest of his career. Um, with uh, with more interest than if someone someone had sort of come and just played five games and not really done anything. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I, I I did think about. We've had quite a few good fullbacks, but I, it, he was sort of undisputed for me in in the right back position. Your left back joined from Norwich City in 2014. Stayed the whole season. Nicest guy in football, 30 appearances, one goal, Harry Toffolo. Yeah, and again, I mean, he's in the team because of his reaction to the the sending off in the Bristol City 1-0 <laughs> home game. Um, but again, he was kind of like undisputed left back because he was really, really good in that season. Um, I mean, again, that that season just sort of goes to prove what like good usage of the loan system can do. Um, and yeah, Toffolo has gone on to have a good career in in, in the lower leagues. Um, he's, he's just gone to Huddersfield now, so he's obviously made his way up to to the championship again, which is good. Um, and, yeah, obviously at the time he, he really engaged with the community, um, which I think is when you're alone signing, you don't necessarily have to do that because you kind of, you're there to kind of further your own career. But he, he obviously engaged with, uh, um, with players in the team so well, uh, players, well, with the community, with the other players in the team, that he uh, managed just to get into the start despite not having Stephen in his name. <laughs> Centre back number one then joined from Ipswich Town in 2018, stayed the whole season, and he was pretty integral throughout. 36 appearances, two goals. Luke Wolfenden. Yeah, I mean, actually. It's really weird how like these recent ones kind of like slip your mind because originally I'd put Darnell Furlong at centre back out of position because I just couldn't really think of that many centre backs that I absolutely loved. Um, I mean, I thought I thought about Turnbull, but I thought you can't really have too many players from the same season, same loan spells um, in there. So I'll, I'll go for um, someone from a different season so that I don't have just like the fourteen fifteen back line as my my defence. Um, so Wolfenden. Last season was one of the standout players, I think. Um, him and Conroy were a really, really good partnership at the back. Um, I remember being at a few games at the end of last season and just like knowing that we're not really going to concede with both of those at the back. Um, obviously, he went on to have a score an own goal at Cheltenham, so I was wrong about that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the ball would just sort of go up and you just knew that one of them was going to get the head on it, um, which is what you want to see. Um, so it's kind of... 
yeah, I think I think he he was a really good player uh, for us. I'm not surprised to see that he's gone on to do really good things for Ipswich this season. And uh, it's just a shame that they went down because I think it would have been good to see him this season still. But obviously, we've gone on to not really need too many. Well, actually, no, we probably would have done pretty well with him given the injury situation this season. But the, the centre backs we've got now are fantastic, so I'm not not too sad about it. But um, yeah, he was he was a standout I think last season and uh, should, should get the recognition. Yeah, one of the standouts in what was quite a poor season. Yeah, yeah, you summed it up very <laughs> succinctly. <laughs> the second centre-back had two loan spells from Southampton, one in 2014 and then the following season for the whole thing, pretty much 2014 to 2015. A lone player who made 52 appearances for the club, more than a lot of permanent signings, scoring one goal it's Jack Stevens, and again we're seeing a common theme uh, in his name. Uh, just this time, it's a surname rather than a first name. Um, but uh, variety yeah, is the spice of life, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, probably the best centre back loan signing we've had. Um, I think he he came in, was thrown in the deep end in his debut, playing at Ashton Gate in a, in a derby um, alongside Troy Archibald Henville. Um, and again, similar to that Wolfenden and Conroy partnership, just as soon as I started to see them playing, um, I just was pretty calm. I, liked, I knew that nothing was going to get past them. Obviously, it didn't. We kept a clean sheet, drew 0-0. Um, I don't like to talk about the reason we drew 0-0, because we could have won. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he just then went on and was just fantastic for the um, the rest of that season and then the season after. And his goal as well was one of the memorable moments of the season, because he opened the uh the the scoring against Chesterfield from with a header and then just ran pretty much I, in my head it's like half the length of the pitch and just sort of was slapping his head uh which was a great celebration I thought so um it's good to see that he's uh doing good things in the Premier League now for Southampton um and uh, yeah again one of those players that if there'd been the chance to sign him I'd have been very happy for him to be ineligible for this team but because he is eligible, I think he makes the team much better. Absolutely. Let's move into midfield now. Your first central midfielder joined from Leeds United in 2003. A good old-fashioned one-month loan. Six appearances, two goals. Went on to do all right. It's James Milner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, actually, this one, it's kind of like, it's good to be like wise after the fact and see like how good James Milner has become. But... I actually, like, I probably would have put him on based on the loan spell anyway because I remember when he signed, he was just really a really exciting player anyway. I think he would he'd already beaten Wayne Rooney's record to become the youngest Premier League goal scorer at that point when in the previous season, I think. At that time, from my memory, if you talk about like the equivalent of the hype that we see now because social media didn't exist back then, it was Rooney or Milner. You know, yeah. to, so to get Milner on loan in League One was purely down to the fact that Andy King was buddies with Peter Reid, and he was as good as our memories serve us when when he was at Swindon. Yeah, like I mean, I think I only saw one of his games where he scored. I can't remember who it was against. I've not looked at the uh, the information really, but I just rem- I remember him scoring. I remember thinking, yeah, this guy, even to the untrained eye of an eight-year-old who's barely watched football uh, is going to be a really good player. Um, and 
again, he's like one of those players that because of what he does on loan at Swindon, you then follow their career of sort of very, very, very big interest. And it took a little while for him to kind of get going again. Uh, he had like a good few years at sort of Newcastle and Villa before he made his England debut. And he's like the record cap holder for the under-21s team because he was playing from them from about 2003 to, I think he was eligible until like 2010 mm. um, because he was so young at the time. Um, but then like when he made his England debut against Holland and uh, when he was like assisting goals at the World Cup in 2010, like you kind of think we're a paving stone on the way to that. And that's like it's a nice thing as a, as a fan of a of a club that maybe doesn't have a player of James Milner Milner's ability very often to see that you've helped that. But then he goes and ruins it by when he signed for Liverpool, saying it's the first time he's going to wear a red shirt <laughs> in an interview because he was obviously talking about how he didn't like Man, uh, Man United, obviously being a, a Leeds boy who played for Manchester City for several years, but. He was forgetting his heritage, um, which made it very difficult for me to put him in the team. But you can't not. Um, but yeah, um, he, yeah, you can't have a Swindon Town loan eleven since two thousand two and not put James Milner in there. Um, and similarly, if I'd been there a few years ago, there are there are other players that definitely would be in the team that just can't be in it because I was not a Swindon fan at that point. Yeah, him and Michael Carrick gave us that sort of sense of Swindon pride at World Cups and Champions League finals and things like that when uh, when it's just that way of identifying with this sort of huge level of football and bringing it down to our level that, you know, well, he's Swindon, isn't he? You know, those six games in 99 or 2003, you know, as if he still harks back to the time where he and Matt Haywood would, you know, do keepy uppies or something like that <laughs> which I like to think he doesn't you know like you said he's the record under 21s caps holder and then he still went on to play over 60 times for the senior team as well which that doesn't normally happen when when a player stays in the under 21s for the duration they might get a cap or a couple of caps or not you know fulfill their promise at all but he went on to have like a seven year career and um, playing playing for England which was great but Brilliant to see, and now he's going to get another championship, another Premier League medal with Liverpool. Your other central midfielder, not the same amount of glory as James Milner, um, and almost forgotten, probably because of the era of when he signed, but he was very, very useful indeed. He joined from Charlton Athletic in 2012, stayed until early 2013, only 10 games, two goals, Danny Hollands. Yeah, he's another one where actually maybe I'm starting to think that my thing about Paolo Di Canio's low knees was not actually all that true because he was really good when he played for us and I'd have been quite happy to see him there for the rest of the season when um, when he was there. Um, I remember that game where he blasted Tranmere 5-0 before Christmas. It's a Friday night game in 2012. Mm. He was just unplayable. He was so good um, and was probably the reason why we did win 5-0 that day. Um, and was just a, a part of that team that in that kind of two-week period around Christmas and New Year was just blasting teams away, like 5-4, 5-0. The point where you're sort of, again, like the only time that th- this sort of thing has really happened where Swindon are sort of a, on Sky Sports News as like the top scorers in Europe above like Barcelona and players, <laughs> teams like that. The only time that's happened really since has been Owen Doyle's like goal-scoring form uh, before Christmas. Holland was quite an integral part of that, I thought. And 
to add a little bit, kind of part of the reason I put him in is because he's now the captain at Eastleigh, who, I, as I said earlier, I kind of every so often go and watch one of their games and he just seems to score all the time for them. Um, he's like a defensive mid- midfielder for them. He kind of doesn't really go forward, but then just at set pieces and from shooting from like 50 yards, seems to be scoring goal after goal after goal. Like every time I see them play, he seems to score um, and scored an absolute rifle of a volley from about 45 yards um, against Wrexham in the playoffs last year when I was kind of hoping that Eastley would come up so I had a local away game to go to. Yeah, so he, he's, he's one where I've seen him at Swindon. Then, like you say, kind of forgot about him. And then you just go to a random game and he's there and uh, life's good. And uh, yeah, for, for the Tranmere game alone, I think he deserves to get in. Let's talk about your attacking midfielders now. So your attacking central midfielder joined on loan from Derby County in 2017 and stayed throughout the season. Another friend of the pod, 25 appearances, five goals. It's Timmy Max Elsnick. I just remember when he signed, I was so excited to have a Slovenian at Swindon. <laughs> I don't know why, um, but I was just, I, I didn't care if he was any good. I was just excited to have him there. And then he turned out to be probably, I mean, I don't know if he was the best player that season, but he was definitely close. He was like, the, the highlight was was watching him. And there were, there were several games where I was just so bored and then he would get the ball and something would happen. Um, the, it kind of made it worth sort of going all the way to Swindon uh, just to sort of see the the five, 10 minutes where he would be able to do something. So I remember I wasn't actually at the crew game where he scored uh, the, the two goals, but he, he had a, a similar game against uh, Chesterfield um, sort of in November time um, where I think he got man of the match. And yeah, he, he was unbelievable then. And he's, he's kind of secured that legacy where like now, again, you follow their careers and, uh, I was think I mean I was thinking about planning a holiday to to Ljubljana and then it was like maybe I'll get a an NK Olympia game in yes. maybe and I, I probably will to be honest but uh, <laughs> and it's because of him I would I'd have no interest in in them specifically but maybe I'd go and watch another Slovenian game but um, yeah because of him I've got a Slovenian team now and uh, life's good <laughs> I think he was just when fit. He was a bit of a flair player in a, a time where we needed a bit more clinical. But had he stayed fit for the for the duration, he always seemed to find, even when he was in loan spells after Swindon, he could never really command a first-team place. But Yeah, and like I say, he's just another player that I would definitely have liked to have seen at Swindon again. And you never know, maybe one day, 10 years down the line, he can come back and... Uh... Sort of take us to Champions League glory or something, I don't know. Your man on the right joined from Bolton Wanderers on loan in 2009, stayed till the playoff final in 2010, 32 appearances, nine goals, a hell of a ride it was to Stanley Ward. Next to Jack Stevens, probably the only player in this team that is undisputed as being part of the team. I think you couldn't have a Swindon Town loanees 11 without Danny Ward. He was so good that season. I just thought, I mean, at the time I thought, this guy's going to go on to be an England player because he, he was young, did really well in that season, really impressed me. And when he went back to Bolton in the in 2010, went straight into my fantasy Premier League team. I don't think he played for them that season, but uh, <laughs> he was in there, uh, racking up zero points every week for me. Uh, that didn't go so well, but the season that he was at Sunday went really well and he sort of scored some of the, the memorable goals at Charlton that you, you go on to remember for 
the rest of your life. So thanks to Danny Ward for that. But yeah, he was he was just sort of again, you may maybe like when we sort of speak brief uh, in brief about that 0-9-10 season, we speak about Painter and Austin and their ridiculous goal scoring form. But if you then talk about it for like a, a couple minutes more, then Ward and McGovern as the supply lines definitely would also get a mention and uh pretty much any player in that team if they had been on loan and not signed for Swindon would probably walk into this team um but uh yeah Danny Ward is the player that was on loan and uh, didn't sign for Swindon so definitely has to be in the team your man on the left wing joined Swindon in 2005 from Watford he played 15 times scored three goals he went on to have quite the career really representing Algeria at the Africa Cup of Nations a couple of times it's Hammer Bouatsa. yeah I mean very much a disputed place in the team he, he wasn't an automatic pick but again I've just I've always had like a, a penchant for players with from different countries that like you maybe see like a few Algerian players in, in the system obviously we've, we've had a couple now and with just good names and Bouatsa Hammer is also a good name but Bouatsa is a fantastic name to say yeah I mean although he played in a in a bad season it's just nice to sort of see him around the team because and again like like you said he did go on to have quite a good career I think um 50-ish Premier League games quite a few in the championship as well um like 100 to 200 some something in that range uh was played in Spain has played in France was at Red Star Paris for for quite a while which are, who are quite an interesting French lower league club so he's, he's very much had. I mean, if you, if you can't have the career of like scoring at the in the World Cup final or playing for like the the biggest club, your boyhood club or or whatever, I would definitely pick his career because he's gone to sort of like some some good clubs. He's uh, played at, in big stadiums, big stages, played internationally for his country, and then yeah, just had like an interesting route through sort of different interesting clubs. Oh, it's an absolute mess, but the season. Immediately after his loan spell, he became a very, very handy Premier League player with Watford. I remember that. And I think he might have had like a a month where he looked like a world beater and it was enough for Fulham to sign him. And then it just sort of spiralled from loan spell to loan spell, from club to country. In my experience of doing this podcast, it just screams of agent advising them to get their sort of big payday by going from place to place, but never really settling I think you're right there. It sounds like the sort of career that if you got him on the podcast that there'd be some good stories. Maybe uh, Hammer, if you're listening, um, <laughs> write in. One player left. A current player who's going to go and be in the lone, what looks like the lone centre forward role, but you'll tell me what formation we're playing in just a few moments. But this player joined on loan for the season in 2019 he was recalled in 2020 but then rejoined shortly afterwards thank goodness time of recording 14 goals 32 appearances it's jerry yates i noticed in the running order you put 2019 20 rather than 2019 20 comma 2020 um yeah two separate loan spells both seem to be quite successful so far yeah i mean one of those things where he has kind of I don't know, like because of Doyle, he kind of went under the radar, and then because he went under the radar, everyone's been talking about how he's been under the radar. So he's kind of not under the radar anymore. He's just been a really good player that everyone pretty much raised because he kind of has that mixture of 
things that every fan likes. So you have your fans that want the players with the technical ability, and he has that. Like he, he has his chops uh, that we all like to talk about. He scores goals, so the play, the people that are there just to sort of see someone score goals have that. He works really hard, so the, the people that want a bit of passion and want someone to get stuck in have that. Yeah, he just seems like a like a good player to have around the squad. So he's going to knit this forward line together. is going to be put in the service. Ward's going to be put in the service. And he's going to be putting them in because, yeah, as a lone striker this season, he's he's been very good. Yeah, I, I mean, I was looking forward to seeing him play. I didn't quite think he'd score as many goals at this point as he has. Um, but, yeah, you, I mean, you can't really argue with his record. And uh, we would, if it wasn't for Doyle, having been so good this season, originally as a loanee, but now he's ineligible because he went and signed for us. We would be talking about sort of one of the the best loanees we've had in a long, long time because his record's been absolutely fantastic for a loan player. Um, and I mean, we, we still can because that's what I'm doing now. By virtue of Doyle signing on, on a permanent and obviously Simon Cox originally being a loan player who signed for us, um, I think he's sort of by default the striker because he's sort of the next most impressive but that's not to say that he's uh, he's not nearly a, a player that I, he's a player that I'd like to see at the club for longer than this season. Um, and I think if he was at the club for sort of two, three years, he could go on and and be in that same kind of name category as sort of a Simon Cox or maybe maybe even a Sam Parkin, uh, because he he just sort of has all of the attributes that everyone wants in a player, uh, and uh, that's what you want leading the line, and he's. He's going to get the goals for us. I make no apologies for for saying that when when we were in preseason last summer, I just couldn't understand what Richie Wellens' obsession with signing Jerry Yates was because it was like a saga that went on and on. You look at his stats and you're thinking, what on earth is he? Is he? Why is he obsessing over signing this one player? And when he did sign, I thought, well, you know, if he gets five, six, seven goals, hopefully that will complement whoever is going to be leading the line. And he's just completely justified Richie Wellens's stance on his his desire to sign Jerry Yates. And even if his season was end, to end tomorrow, he's made the contribution. It's been absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, and I would I'd like to see him end the season on twenty goals because I think deserves it. Yeah, he deserves it, and he uh, definitely. I mean, he's he's one of the players that we kind of obviously would not have expected it for at the start of the season, and sort of I think there were people that were saying like he will never be a twenty goal a season striker. So if he could just get that twenty goal a season, then that would be a really nice sort of start and end to see how far one player and the rest of the club has come in, in one season. So. Six goals, I think it's possible. So hopefully, starting with a good performance against Mansfield, we'll start to see that, that twenty. But even if he even if he stops scoring now, if he plays the rest of the game this season, and doesn't score, um, it would be a very very good season and uh, a player that, regardless of if he's at Swindon, I sort of definitely follow of interest for the rest of his career. But hopefully, some of that is at Swindon. Ferry on the ball. He's got Ward with him. Timing of the pass is crucial. A touch and shoot. Yes. You bet. You bet. 2-0 Swindon. Danny Ward. So what formation are we playing? It's a 4-3-3. I wanted to be very clever and go for like a WM or something, but uh, (laughs) 
the fullbacks in the WM are kind of more like centre backs, so uh, can't really go for that because the players that I really needed to get in were fullbacks. So um, yeah, just went for a four three three, standard one. I think it, I think it fits the players in that I've got quite well. It's not a completely unbalanced team, and I think it would do some damage in if not league, if not. I think it's competing. I certainly do in all of their primes. I think this side is competing, but we need a manager. And I didn't ask for a permanent manager. I've asked in spirit this for a caretaker manager. <laughs> Who have you gone for? I kind of had a very brief think about this. and I was like, It can't be anyone other than Fabrizio Picaretta, who managed sort of one of... I didn't go to the game, and if I had gone to the game, I reckon this would be one of my fam- favourite Swindon fixtures. But mm. this is one of my favourite Swindon fixtures to follow from the radio. It was the free one went over the tr- over Tranmere that put us top in of League One in February 2013. And I remember at the time just being like, it's a shame that he has to go because it'd be interesting to see what he could do as manager for the rest of the season. Obviously, we know what went on and happened. Yeah, that night it just kind of felt like every- all of the Swindon players and him against the world and... Uh, went pretty well so let's give him the job of managing all these loan players on a permanent basis he's going to be slightly hum- hamstrung by the fact you can only play five loanies in the matchday squad and the whole squad is made of loanies I'm sure we can do it five aside with Fabrizio it'll be possible he absolutely should have been the replacement for De Canio and all this loyalty to to Paolo was quite frustrating for me because he was my choice before the Tramia game and I know there was only a 24 hour swing between all of this um all of these events unfolding but my logic was keep the coaching staff and therefore we shall maintain the form that will see us to the championship which we almost certainly would have done had the Canio stayed and I think it would have stayed if Picaretta um remained in charge but loyalty and there we have it connor i really enjoyed that thank you very much thanks for having me the low strangers is proudly sponsored by the official stfc supporters club the music was created by the great matthew kilford and the artwork was provided expertly by john daglish Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Come on, boys. Oh, it's a grand The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. 
Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.